0: Welcome to The Contemplative Life. Three pastors, friends, and spiritual companions help us explore spirituality through a contemplative lens.
1: I'm
2: Christina Roberts.
0: I'm Chris Roberts.
2: I'm Christina Kaiser. We're glad you joined us. Hello, it's great to be with you. Today, we're asking this question, do my ancestors matter? And I'll give you a little bit of background for why this has come up for me. Recently, we had just gone through this eco-spirituality class, learning to engage a little bit with indigenous wisdom in this topic. And if you engage with indigenous wisdom, you hear about ancestors a lot. And it caused both myself and others in the group to reflect, like, we don't have a ton of engagement that way in our own experience of really thinking about where we come from and actually it had even come up in a book study before that that we were doing where there was a lot of talk about the people that came before us and Even there, it was a similar thing. We haven't engaged that much. And it's really caused me to question, why have I not engaged with this very much? And would this be useful for me? Is this something that I should maybe start doing? See where this leads? And then, amazingly, I ran across this quote in a blog post from a woman named Kat Armas. She wrote a book called Abuelita Faith. And then the subtitle, What Women on the Margins Teach Us About Wisdom, Persistence, and Strength. And so she's actually going through a lot of these marginal female characters in the Bible, as I understand it. But this quote here, it meant a lot to me. She says this, I internalized the hyper-individualistic view of faith and salvation. I bought into the idea that my spirituality is private that my spiritual growth has absolutely nothing to do with my community, my ancestors, the cloud of witnesses, those I knew directly and indirectly, as well as the countless number of people who have influenced me, or even those I myself have influenced. And then, of course, the book continues. But it did make me realize, yes, this hyper-individualistic view that has been a huge influencer to how I thought about faith in my early years and now I'm beginning to question. But in my mind, coming into faith as a grown-up, I'm forging my own path. I'm going in a different way. And now I'm starting to wonder, is that true? How much of that is true? How much of that is not true? So I am really eager to hear, what is your guys' journey been? How do you think about things like this? I feel like I'm very much on a learning edge here. I'm looking to learn in community.
1: Christina, you don't know this, but I just recently about a week ago bought a shirt from Target that says my ancestors are always cheering me on. And I've been seeing this shirt for about a month now and just was really drawn to that. And this is something actually yesterday I had my spiritual direction session where I was receiving spiritual direction and was processing a bit about my ancestors and the importance of the ancestors in my life. And I think as someone who I lost my mom when I was 11, so the understanding of ancestors and people that have gone before at a young age was something really important and impressed upon me. And growing up, in the Greek culture, particularly with the Greek Orthodox faith tradition, very much we would encourage and discuss and remember our ancestors and those that have gone before. So I feel fortunate that I've grown up with that experience. I would say in recent this recent season, revisiting that, I think I've always had this image in Hebrews in the Bible that talks about the great cloud of witnesses. Those that have gone before are looking over us or they're cheering us on like this with us, but like over us. And I recently had an experience where it's like, you know what, the wisdom, and my dad has also passed away as well at this point, the wisdom of my parents, they're, it's within me. The things that they've taught me who I am, which again was passed on from their parents and their ancestors as well, so it it is the looking over maybe, or the alongside cheering on, but there's also this within aspect that I've been feeling lately with the wisdom of my ancestors. And I had a beautiful session with my spiritual director and she was asking like, what do you feel the wisdom within is? And so just being able to name some of the, the teachings and the modeling and the life that's been passed on to me through those that have gone before was just a really meaningful time. So I really appreciate this topic. And I do think that there's a lot of rich spiritual depth to connecting with and understanding and remembering our ancestors.
0: I would say that I am not a stranger to the topic, but I will say that I grew up in a faith tradition that said anything to do with ancestors might border on ancestor worship. I think there was a part of that fear in my faith community. And so things like praying to your ancestors was considered taboo. And so... I read a book not too long ago by Ronald Rollheiser, and he talked about why do Catholics pray to people who've passed away. And I really loved his definition. It wasn't in a sort of seance sort of way where you're trying to recall them to the present, but it's more in a sort of working out your own faith. It's not just you praying to an ancestor, but it's you and the divine, maybe even working out some problems that you might've had with this person, or maybe even just expressing gratitude for what this person has done that you benefit from. And so whenever this topic has come up. I notice I have resistances. Oh, I want to be very careful here. Don't want to be too out there in your faith experiences. But I find myself more open to hear people's stories. Like you mentioned, Christina, how your father and your mother and some of the teachings are within you. And that's very compelling and appealing to me. I think those are some of my thoughts around what do our ancestors have to teach us?
2: That's really fascinating because I think I have a similar story of there being a fear that somehow engaging with your ancestors was a negative thing. And I do think I internalized that a little bit. And I think I was in this process, like even when I got married, I walked on the aisle by myself and it was a very conscious choice I was making to say I'm independent and I do these things. And so there was a lot of dissociation for me. In all of that now that I've softened a little bit I can say oh like all of that generosity that that's something I learned from my mother like no matter what even when she had very little for herself she would find a bag of groceries to give to you like at the very least you can get some chicken nuggets so there is this like we do get things and it does come up in Scripture Christina you mentioned the cloud of witnesses in Hebrew it's 2nd Timothy chapter 1 where Paul is he's talking and he says I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did and I think the thing about letters like that is we often skip through the beginning of those letters because it's all so much the same hello greetings from we greet you here we give thanks and grace and peace to you and we're like like give me the goods right but right there I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did. How crazy, how funny he's actually engaging that. And then he goes on a little bit later to say, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I was like, I cannot say that. Like, those are specifics. But then I went back, and in point of fact, yes, there it is. He's referencing, like, you have this lineage of people that have passed something down to you. And at the very least, we did not have a very traditional childhood in terms of, like, church-going or whatever. Like, we did, and then we didn't. But there were always these cassette tapes with these songs. And these songs are beloved and cherished by both me and my siblings like they have found them as grown-ups and oh my gosh I found the series of tapes or records in some cases (laughs) that we were always listening to and they shaped us they formed us there's something in there but then I can't go any farther back is the thing that I'm wrestling with right now I don't have anything really beyond my childhood
1: It's interesting you mentioning the passage about the mother and the grandmother and the spiritual lineage, and I don't remember who pointed this out, a scientist or something, was talking about how we existed, like I existed in my grandmother's womb, because as a female, all your eggs are in you when you're born, and so when my mom was in her mom's womb, the egg that would become me was living in my grandmother, And that was just this profound revelation of, wow, what a connection, not just on a spiritual level, but on a DNA biological level to my grandmother who actually passed away before I was born. So I never actually got to meet my grandmother, but to know that I was within her as well. And so again, this, the wisdom within our biology within there's something very profound. And again, Christina, even if we don't have conscious knowledge of it or don't know the names or can only go back so far in our family tree. I do believe that there's something beyond us that has existed and will exist. And I think it's called the 200 year stretch where it's this practice where you're encouraged to think of someone that you like physically touched them, like from the earliest childhood memory that you have. So maybe it's a grandparent or a great grandparent. And then who's the youngest person whom you've Touch So maybe it's your nephew was just born and you were able to touch that baby. And so that span of when that grandparent was born to when that baby will one day die. And often it's around maybe a 200, 250 year span that your life has literally touched across centuries. And I just think that's beautiful to think about that as well.
0: Yeah. I think the invitation here is to number one, think bigger than yourself, be to be communal, which is very appropriate in this Day and age, I think it just the avenues in which we find ourselves or lane or path can be so individualistic that this is saying, Hey, let's open up to more because you're not enough. And I think I'm okay hearing that. I'm not enough by myself. And I know for some people that can be jarring. I think the second invitation would be to reflect, to remember. And I was with a relative that uh, I recently got in contact with and hearing some of their life story and some of the similarities. And so being able to ask, how did that turn out? And uh, just some of the same pathways that were in both of our lives, you know, how important it is to remember, because some of these lessons, they're not a one and done thing. You have to walk them out repeatedly. And so I think that's the value of being able to look back if that's what we're talking about in thinking about our ancestors I think being able to look back as long as we're not stuck there I think some people they stay stuck looking backwards and there is no present moment and there is no future moment so I don't think we're saying any of that I think we're saying what does the past present and future have to offer us.
2: Yeah, and this brings up a lot, right? Because we have children, kind of a blended family here. We have children that are adopted and we have some connection to their literal ancestors. But there's like a whole range of what it means to look backwards there's our immediate family looking backwards there's the nation maybe that you grew up in there's like a number of ways that we can look back and we do know now historically it has not gone well for us not to look back to just say that's over now move on get past it there's something there and I used to read these passages about seven generations forward and backwards type thing like I don't know if that's 200 years or not, but I didn't see how it really connected. And then you start reading historically how a bill or a treaty or an act passed long before you were born, long before you thought anything is affecting people even today. And you start to see, oh, yes. I have no idea how it affects the past. I don't even understand that part of it. (laughs) But I can definitely see how the decisions we make today affect the future. And some people, I'm learning more profoundly at this point, think about that. What I do today, how does this impact the next generation and the next generation?
1: And even you mentioning the songs, Christina, I think that it's funny in you the similarities, Chris. I was talking to someone the other day, and I grew up around food cooking so family passing on family recipes i know recipes by heart that sort of thing and so this person was marveling like how i can have leftover rice and a lemon in the refrigerator or whatever and then it's oh we need to make a lemono soup because this i can use up the leftovers and they're like that's a real gift like i don't even know what i'm getting at the grocery store it's stressful whatever and just realizing yeah there's something in my ancestral upbringing right that is being passed on and we also have a blended family and it's interesting because one of our adoptive daughters I think has that same sort of streak in her of hospitality and the cooking and that sort of thing and so I think some of these things too are literally in our DNA but also the ability to pass on which can be familia, and also spiritually. I think many people have what they would consider a spiritual family or a spiritual heritage in addition to their genealogy and family heritage. And many people in their spiritual timeline or spiritual ways where something was passed on spiritually to one person that was then passed on to me that I hopefully can pass on to another. And so I think there's different dynamics in which we can look, whether it's culture or spirituality, familia, et cetera.
0: Not to get too in the weeds, but and too mystical, there there are lots of faith traditions that mention blessing and cursing and how that plays into our present and our future. And I always want to think about blessing. How does blessing go forward? I think about that with my kids or am I blessing my children enough? Am I identifying their gifts and saying you're gifted in this and you are going to use this to impact the world. But I'm also mindful of the curse or whatever you want to say. What are ways where maybe this has been struggle. This has been struggle for me and how some faith traditions might say, how do I break the curse or how do I, you know, I think another thing is how do I project something different than what I've projected in the past? So I find that to be fascinating about this whole topic that we're bringing up.
2: I super appreciate that. Yeah, there's this, I've seen it in my own family line, this need for things to be exactly the way we want them to be. It was maybe my grandma, and if you moved something like an inch, she would know, and she would come around and she would like, put it back. And my mother had a piece of that, and I have a piece of that, and I'm watching that happen in my own daughter now. And we do. We pass on the good. We pass on the bad, right? We like we teach this, and this has been a huge formational piece for me in my adult life to try to accept things as they are, and not continue to pass that on. Obviously. She's already got a piece of it going there, but (laughs) hopefully we can learn together a little bit and there can be this shift to some extent. But I notice it in the most unusual ways. Like Our youngest put on a costume recently that was the same costume his brother wore several years back and he made the same pose. What? I mean, both of them, years apart from one another, the older one not acting like he did back in those days. And I have other pictures like that. Like, you know, this, the two-year-old picture, both of them are looking at the flame in the same way. There seems to be something inside of us that is connected in a way that we don't, Quite grasp or understand all the time. And as I get older, I am more curious. Thank you so much for this conversation. I am sure it's like this long journey that <laughs> is really only at the beginning, but hopefully it's helpful to all of us as we move forward. And now is the time in our podcast where we take a moment to talk about what we are into. So pray tell, what are you into?
1: I am into George Winston. So I had the opportunity to see him perform a couple of days ago here in Madison. And for those who don't know, he's a pianist, composer, and just writes beautiful music. And I loved it. He's, I think, 72 now, has won a Grammy Award, nominated for several, sold millions of albums. He walks out on stage with jeans and a flannel and socks. And just very humble, simple, And watching him with the instrument, at one point I'm like, do you have extra fingers? Like just watching his fingers gliding across and he would reach into the piano and pluck some of the strings or mute some of the notes of the piano, just so intimate with his instrument, And then I appreciated at the end, He would pause and the song was over, but he would wait until the very last vibration of the piano had expressed itself before turning to the audience for applause. And so it was just this moving experience of seeing this man for decades. I don't know. I would say have this intimate mastery of the piano and the relationship there. So I am very much into George Winston.
0: Music seems like a really good thing to be into all the time. And so thinking of maybe my musical journey, I have been into music mostly instrumental I find that I am really into a lot of instrumental music lately, and I could do without all the words. And sometimes it's fun that a song that comes on and everybody can sing along to. That, is, that has been a part of my journey. But right now in this season, I'm into music that doesn't really have a whole lot of words as if they fail us. Words are failing us, and the music moves us to the place that we need to go. So I'll go with the theme of music and instrumental music at that.
2: Oh, I can totally go with music. Music is the day. I ran into a band. I think they're out of L.A. through the gratefulness.org email digest. But their name is Mantra Gold, and they put out a song called Gratitude. And it is really good. It's got a kind of soulful vibe and they promote love and equality and goodness in the world. And so they have other songs too. Like one is called Common Ground. But I have been showing it to like everybody I can. So now it's going to be in the show notes of the podcast. Just continuing to spread it all over. So how fun. Thank you so much for being with us today. And we'll look forward to being with you again soon. Bye, everybody.
0: If you enjoy listening to the podcast, we invite you to stay connected by signing up for our Foundry Spiritual Center newsletter, where you can learn about even more programs and offerings. You'll find a link to subscribe in the show notes, or visit us anytime at foundrysc.com. Thanks again for being with us. We hope you have a great week.